Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing. All of my teams 365 days a year. So do you, so let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today, episode number 117, 117. Well, week 14 is in the books, or at least almost. We still got the Monday game to go. I'm recording here on a Monday afternoon. It's a pretty low-scoring week overall for fantasy, and then the NFL games themselves weren't very competitive. But nevertheless, Dynasty teams advanced or got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, uh, depending on which way it fell for you. I know for myself, uh, I advanced to the semifinals in four of my eight Dynasty leagues, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. But there was one game that I lost yesterday that's still eating me up, frustrated. One of my better teams that got wiped out by players that had surprising weeks. But when that happens, I have to remind myself, like I always remind you each week, win or lose. It is a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on all of our Dynasty teams, so it is fun. So after following all the games... Uh, this week, I'm going to give a little review of my some of my thoughts on week number 14, or playoff week number one. And then now that we're in the playoffs, I'll actually spend some time reflecting on both good and bad calls that I've made. Uh, something that I'd recommend for all Dynasty owners to do. Go back and look at your trades or look at your players that you valued and be honest with where you went right and where you went wrong so you can grow as a leader. And so these next, uh, or as a Dynasty manager, I should say, uh, so in these next uh, few weeks, I'll be kind of taking a reflective look back Rather than doing the waiver wire and uh, talking about trades, since my trade deadlines have expired in all my leagues, I'll just talk uh, reflecting back. So today, I'm going to start with a positive. <laughs> a couple things that I felt like I did well. Just five players that I um, felt like uh, I won <laughs> by having these players on my team at the right price. But let's talk first just about four overall observations from uh, week number 14 and week one of the playoffs. So first observation I was thinking about is that rookies rock. And this has been a really fun rookie season. At the end of a dynasty regular season, it is good to reflect back on the rookie class. And this year's class is one of the best that I've ever seen. It did take some time for rookie running backs to break out, but five rookie running backs are now ranked among the top 24 running backs in scoring for this season. And five rookie wide receivers are also ranked among the top 36. So that means that there are 10 rookie running back and wide receivers combined that are startable every week on our rosters, including one undrafted free agent, James Robinson, who I saw uh, was said of him this week that he's already had more scrimmage yards than any other undrafted free agent in NFL history here after week number 14. Already has the most yards ever by a UDFA. Well, when I look back at the top 24 draft picks taken in most of my rookie drafts last year, it really only stood out that Keyshawn Vaughn and A.J. Dillon Two players, by the way, that I actually avoided and didn't draft on any team. It feels like those two are the only ones that you might consider a total bust right now. But top 24 rookies like uh, Zach Moss, Jalen Rager, Jerry Judy, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman, they've at least shown some promise and they've earned starting roles on their teams or significant roles on their teams in Zach Moss's case. And the verdict is still out on Brian Edwards, uh, who just can't stay healthy. But if you take all those guys out, um, I, I already have six rookie running backs ranked among my top 24 dynasty running backs and six rookie 
wide receivers ranked among my top 36 dynasty wide receivers. So already this class has six running backs and six wide receivers in the top 24 in the case of running backs, top 36 in the case of wide receivers, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's been a stellar class, uh, one that enabled rebuilding teams to rebuild quickly. Uh, One team I know went from worst to first in one of my leagues after compiling just a bunch of 2020 first round picks. Uh, And then he finished with the best record in the league. Uh, Still could get knocked off in the playoffs, of course, but still went from worst to first. I think almost every manager can look back at their 2020 draft class and get excited about the rookies uh, on their roster, unless you hit a couple of those busts. There's a little uh, high upside guys that have shown some promise. There's about a dozen that have just totally broken out and are looking great. And then there's a few that appear to be busts. But overall, fantastic class. And a lot of them performed well. <laughs> I know Jonathan Taylor finally had his best game and carried me into the next round of the playoffs. And uh, Akers did something similar. So we're thankful for these rookies. Next thing that I thought about this week was um, kind of writing what I'll call a new narrative. You know, one of the most common narratives that for the most part has held true was that wide receivers who get traded would struggle on their new teams, especially in year one. Uh, that gave many dynasty managers concern this offseason from Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins because of their trades. Uh, the new team narrative was part of why managers questioned the value of these two stud wide receivers as far as talent, but they also had some other concerns. So Diggs had the concern about Josh Allen's inconsistent play, his inaccuracy with the ball. If you remember, Hopkins carried the concern that Cliff Kingsbury's offense spreads the ball around too much. Uh, going, But here's the truth, though. Going into week 14, Diggs and Hopkins trail only Keenan Allen for the most targets in the NFL. Uh, Diggs was targeted 14 times on Sunday night, turning it into 10 catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. And then on Sunday afternoon, it was Hopkins who had 11 uh, targets, turned them into 9 catches and 136 yards. So they are really outperforming this narrative of wide receivers being traded. Josh Allen's completion percentage is actually 10 points higher than last year. So uh, last year it was 58%. Now he's already up to 69% in his passing uh, completion percentage. And then on Kyler Murray's side, he's not spreading around the the ball as much as we thought. Hopkins has nearly twice as many targets as Arizona's second most targeted receiver, Christian Kirk. He's got 127 targets and Christian Kirk has 65. So almost double. 130 would be double there. I just think that in today's pass-happy NFL, wide receivers are really breaking the old switching teams narrative. You could argue that Robbie Anderson's done the same thing this year. We'll talk about him more in a minute. Same with Brandon Cooks, which we'll talk about him more in a minute. Uh, they've done well on their teams after being traded as well. I think it's time to start seeing wide receivers that get traded as buying opportunities uh, rather than selling opportunities like we've come accustomed to. Next, I'll say, um, I'll call this not a lock. There's a couple players now that are probably in our fantasy lineups, maybe carried you into the playoffs. But I don't know if they're worth uh, rostering during these playoff games if you made it this far with them. Uh, Those players are Terry McLaurin and uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Man, McLaurin was having an incredible season, even after all the changes at quarterback in Washington. But he really has disappointed the last two weeks. He's had two consecutive games with only two catches even though he was targeted six times in each game. He's likely not going to get much better if Dwayne Haskins is starting in Washington next week in the fantasy playoffs. I know I've survived two semifinals in two leagues where I have McLaurin on my teams, but I'm likely not going to start him this next week. What concerns me more from a dynasty perspective is how Washington is winning and building their team. 
They're building their team and winning games through their defense, making the passing game one of the worst in the league, averaging just 213 yards passing per game. And then what's worse is their winning is taking them out of the running for uh, to draft a quarterback in 2021. So unless they trade for one or pay for one in free agency, Washington is probably just going to run back again with Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins if they keep winning like this. Or they could re-sign Kyle Allen, who's a free agent after this year. Man, none of that looks good. Uh, none of these, none of this bodes well for McLaurin. He's a great wide receiver. He just might be locked into uh, onto a lousy team. Um, I'm glad to have him on my rosters, and I would not try to sell him. But his dynasty upside is starting to concern me a little bit, let alone how he can be started or not during these playoff run if you're still alive having him. Uh, same can be true of, of Tyler Lockett. He's not underperformed as much as McLaurin has the last few weeks, but he's certainly not helped fantasy teams win in advance in the playoffs. He's averaged less than 50 yards receiving in the previous three weeks combined, and he's not scored a touchdown. Whereas David Moore and Freddie Swaim have caught three touchdowns combined, and, and DK Metcalf caught one. Metcalf's become more of Russell Wilson, more than Russell Wilson's big play guy. He really has become his first target. And the next two weeks in the fantasy playoffs, Seattle actually plays the fourth and first best defenses against quarterbacks. That would be the Washington football team and the Rams. So I think dynasty managers would be wise to bench Lockett in the playoffs and maybe even try to sell him since he's 28 years old. And he's definitely one of those boomer bust players. Uh, definitely not a high, a safe floor for Lockett. One more thing I'll mention, just kind of overall observations from, from week 14. As I'll start to think about the future here, I'll call it the quarterback market markup. <laughs> so it's become increasingly evident which teams need a new quarterback in 2021. Uh, the Jets and the Jaguars uh, need to say goodbye to their young quarterbacks and Sam Darnold and Gardner Mitchell. Um, who will likely remain under contract with their teams uh, while being replaced with a first and second pick of the NFL draft. Cincinnati is technically the only other team that could end the season with a worse record, but they have the quarterback of their future in Joe Burrow. So new quarterbacks, new coaches for both teams will lead to increased dynasty value of all of their offensive weapons. And so while that's much as clear with those two teams, there are a few other four to six win teams that I believe also need a new quarterback but may not be in position to do so depending on how they finish the season in these last three NFL games. As many as six uh, rookie quarterbacks might get drafted in the first round this year. That's what I've heard from some of the podcasts that I listen to about the draft. So quarterbacks may fall to teams that are in the middle or late first rounds, but I think uh, teams that will be in the rookie quarterback market in addition to the Jets and Jaguars include the Patriots, the 49ers, the Bears, the Panthers, the Broncos, and shoot even the Cowboys if they don't sign uh, Dak Prescott to a long-term deal. As a Cowboy fan, I sure hope they would. It'd be interesting, too, the Lions and the Falcons, they may be in the rookie quarterback market as well if they decide to do a total rebuild uh, with their new coaches, new GMs that they hired. In that case, it'd be interesting because Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford could be bridge quarterbacks, could be traded away to another team, kind of like Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers have done uh, pretty well this year. Jameis Winston's the best free agent quarterback with the most upside, I believe, at least. Uh, not counting Dak Prescott, of course. Uh, and then first-round bust Mitch Tabriskie, who's uh, in his contract year, so he's a free agent after this year. And Sam Darnold, who's still under contract, they might pose themselves as pretty attractive prospects if a team is convinced that they can still have promise. Like I said, Trubisky's a free agent. Darnold would have to be traded since he, um, and which wouldn't be too big of a surprise if they draft a rookie quarterback. 
All that to say, I think there's going to be a quarterback carousel this year in free agency and the draft. And I wouldn't rule out a quarterback trade either. So there's probably going to be a trade this season on one of these quarterbacks. And then like it or not, as dynasty players, uh, dynasty managers, we know that dynasty players' values are always tied to their quarterbacks. So I expect quite a bit of adjusting to my rankings quite often this offseason as some of these uh, things happen in the draft and in free agency and possibly even at the trade deadline or when trades are open again. Now let's talk just a little bit about 2020 season review. Like I said before, now that we're in the playoffs, I'd like to reflect on things that I got right and the things that I got wrong. I can't mention one without the other. (laughs) So every analyst has his hits and misses, as do I. But every good dynasty manager, including you, uh, really needs to reflect on each year to learn what they got right and what they got wrong so they can become a better manager next year. So with all that said, uh, here's a few of my victory lap players. Next week, I'm going to tell about my walk of shame players. <laughs> That's going to be plenty of the players that I've missed on. I've already got a list of them ready to go. But today, we'll toot the horn a little bit and talk a little bit about victory lap players. Uh, first player is Robbie Anderson. Anderson started the year a lot hotter than he's finishing the year, but he is heating up a little bit again, and I think he'll be a solid contributor in my playoff matchups this weekend. Um, as I wrote as wrote about and podcasted about last August, uh, Anderson is one of my most owned players. I did a, did a podcast on my most owned players. He was one that I own about 50% of my leagues. I think any player that leaves the Jets for another team automatically gets a dynasty boost. <laughs> so I think that's one factor. When it's when, time, when someone leaves the Jets, their dynasty value goes up just a little bit because they're leaving that bad situation. But for me, when he signed with Carolina, I really did buy into the narrative of him playing for his college coach who knew how to use him. But uh, more than that, I actually followed the money. His contract for two years at $10 million a year, uh, that's too much money to invest in a player that would not see significant playing time. Um, I've also been historically lower on Curtis Samuel than most people, and I really believed right away that Anderson would play the number two role beside DJ Moore, which he did. I was not only right about that, Anderson scored just as much as uh, as Moore, and as of today, Moore is averaging 12 points per fantasy game, while Anderson's averaging 11.9, so really as close as you could get it. Uh, Anderson was a steal in the 15th round of my most recent startup just before the season started, and he's going to be in a lot of starting lineups of my semifinal teams that I start uh, this weekend. Robbie Anderson, one that I saw a lot more value in than other people and got him in a lot of leagues. Next player, similarly, is uh, Brandon Cooks. Cooks didn't have a stellar year, uh, but he was the 29th highest scoring wide receiver headed into week number 14, which of course he missed with his injury. Um, That's a respectable wide receiver three, though, and many dynasty managers thought he was dead, and so this is a real value uh, from where he was. His 2019 season was the worst since his rookie year, and he had four straight 1,000-yard seasons on four different teams before that, so he's just a consistent, consistent player until the end of the 2019 season where he played so bad with the Rams. But after that poor season with the Rams, Dynasty analysts really also labeled him injury-prone, but the fact was that he only missed four games in his career until he missed his fifth game this week. I just took advantage of managers who had actually soured on him. I traded a late second round rookie pick for him in one league, and I drafted him in the eighth round of my most recent startup draft just before the season started. One thing I can say is I didn't expect Will Fuller to have such a great season and stay healthy. I did expect Cooks to be the wide receiver one in Houston, but instead he was a wide receiver two. Uh, That said, Houston may not re-sign Fuller next year. He's a free agent, and maybe this 
um, PED suspension that he had would make them sour on him a bit. So Cooks could be in line to be Deshaun Watson's primary target next year. Uh, Cooks was very stable wide receiver three for many of my teams this year, which is far better than where his dynasty value was at this time last year. And so I capitalized on Cooks' uh, devalue this time last year, and his stock has risen right back up. Probably not to where it was, uh, you know, the, the few seasons before that, but it's definitely risen way up from where it was when I acquired him um, at the end of last year. Next player that I'll take a little victory lap on is and from the negative side is uh, James White. Man, once Tom Brady left New England, I had no interest in carrying White on my roster. I sold him for a 2020 third round pick in a PPR league um, and let his contract expire in a salary cap league that I'm part of. Uh, I only have him rostered on one team now. See, as a policy, I try not to roster any New England running back because of the way New England rotates their running backs. It drives me crazy. The only exception I made was for James White in PPR League specifically, where he provided a super steady floor. Loved having him for his floor play when he had Brady-led teams. But once Brady left for Tampa Bay, I was no longer interested in White. Uh, even when Cam Newton was signed, some analysts pointed the fact that Christian McCaffrey caught a lot of passes uh, from Cam in Carolina. But I just didn't buy it. In his last two seasons with Brady, get this, White averaged 12 half PPR points per game. That's just half PPR, 12 points per game and half PPR. This year, he's just averaging six. And so I was right to get rid of White. It's an all but one league where I couldn't seem to do so. Next player is uh, Adam Thielen. Uh, Thielen ended the 2019 season with a dud, if you remember that. He missed seven games in his 29-year-old season, those horrible seven games, and technically it was really more like nine because two games at the end of last year, he came back and tried to play but only got a, a few reps before he had to come out. So just a horrible end of 2019. And so now entering his 30-year-old season in 2020, I think most dynasty managers were eager to get rid of Phelan. However, I drafted him in the seventh round of my most recent startup draft, and I think he's far surpassed that value. Even though he let me down in the playoffs in the loss that I mentioned this week, that was pretty sad to, to lose in the playoffs this week. But as of this week, he was the sixth highest scoring wide receiver, based mostly on his 12 touchdown catches. That's what's carried his carried his points. But they're points nonetheless, and they do look for him in the end zone like that a lot. I think Minnesota's commitment to the running game and Kirk Cousins' mediocre play, just the way people view him, caused most dynasty managers to devalue Thielen uh, at the end of last year. While those factors are ones to consider, I just believe that Thielen and Cousins had a connection with one another. I thought back to even when Stefan Diggs was on the team, Cousins always had eyes for Thielen uh, more than he did for Diggs. Now, you got to admit now that rookie Justin Jefferson has indeed outscored Thielen this year, but you also can't point to that without noticing that Cousins and the run-heavy Vikings have produced the fourth and sixth highest scoring receivers on the year so far. Incredible. So this run-first team with a quarterback that no one likes is producing two top 10 wide receivers. Uh, two years ago, while Antonio Brown was starting to act crazy and do all the crazy stuff he was doing, I traded Antonio Brown straight up for Thielen, and I have not regretted it. Thielen's one of the guys that I've been highest on. He's done well for me, except for uh, this week, which was pretty painful. Last player I'll mention that I feel like I hit on this year, uh, was higher on the most, was Justin Herbert. I'm not going to say that I had Herbert ranked way higher than other, you know, 2020 rookie, in my 2020 rookie rankings than other analysts or dynasty managers, but I must have had him higher than many because I drafted him in three of my eight dynasty leagues. So 
Uh, one of the things to, that I really try to make a point to note is when a player was once thought to be the top prospect, when they fall in the draft because of a bad senior season, which is exactly what happened to Herbert. After his junior year, Herbert was considered by a lot of NFL um, analysts to be the quarterback, the best prospect NFL quarterback by many analysts. Um, but he returned to school and didn't play his well his senior year while Tua played awesome his senior year. And then Joe Burrow had the senior year for the ages. They had great final seasons. Herbert didn't. And so he fell in the draft in large part because of that. <clears throat> but I drafted Herbert in the third round of all three of the leagues that I actually have him in. And actually one of those leagues, um, one of my favorite moves that I made this season, now looking back at it, is I traded away my fourth and fifth round picks to move up into the third so that I could draft Herbert. He's become one of my most favorite uh, players to watch, and now I can enjoy watching him just as an not just as an NFL fan, but I can enjoy watching him play for my dynasty teams, which is exciting. Those are some of my hits. Don't forget to come back next week, because next week I'm going to talk about some of my misses, because there's been plenty of those too. I appreciate you uh, giving a listen this week. I wish you all the best luck in the semifinals. Hopefully you've made it. I'll keep reporting on mine. Super excited that I'm actually in a league that has 48 teams and four copies of players. It's a kind of an analyst league, a bunch of podcasters in it. And I have already in the semifinals as well as playing for the overall championship. So I've got a lot of good things to look forward to. I hope that you do as well. Uh, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.